Welcome to Studio Break. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 21st highlight episode, I'm happy to say that Brian Frank is back on the podcast. We talked to him a bit back in January, and now he's on again, this time to talk about his recent trip to France, his research in the Black Madonnas, and all the work that came out of that. So we hope that you enjoy the episode. And once again, if you've never heard of Studio Break, we are a podcast and blog site that features a variety of contemporary artists discussing their work in studio practice in great length and detail. We share their images, their links, and you can check them all out on Studio Break. Easily access them through the archive function. Again, there's over 70 or 80 podcasts that we've had. You can go month by month and check out all the great artists that you've missed. And again, we hope that if you like it, you'll check it out and share it with your friends. Just a reminder that there are a couple ways to reach out to Studio Break. One is through our Facebook page where you can like us and check out some of the artists that we have coming up as well as announce exhibitions and things like that. So please like us on Facebook. We are on Twitter. You can follow us at Studio Break. And lastly, you can also subscribe to Studio Break in the iTunes Store. Just search for Studio Break under Podcasts and subscribe there. It's an easy way to follow us, and you'll always have something to listen to on your commutes. All right, here is this great interview with Brian Frank coming up. Stay tuned. All right, welcome to Studio Break. I'm really, really happy to be joined by Brian Frank today. How are you? I'm doing great, David. Thank you. Well, you know, obviously, um, you know, we uh, keep in touch and uh, know that you've been on a kind of an adventure, a, a trip to France and some other places. So I wanted to have you on to talk about it and, um, you know, to see how all of that affected uh, what's going on in the studio. So, Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, we just got back last week. So it's great to be back and have this opportunity to chat about the trip. So thank you. Sure, sure, and and so just just to let everybody know too. So, what exactly was the uh, the research component to it? I think everybody can relate to uh, a trip to France. <laughs> well, uh, and like I always say, uh, tell people if you're going to apply for funding to get research, you should try to figure out a really pleasant place to do your research in. And that's what I did. I um, I'm, I'm a professor at Minnesota State University in Mankato, Minnesota, and we have um, faculty research grants that are available to us. And so I wrote a proposal about traveling to southern France to, um, and and for an artist, research isn't quite the same as it is for an academic. I basically was going to gather images and have experiences related to those images with the idea of um, building a series of work based on those images. And those images I was looking at were um, uh, Black Madonna sculptures. So these are sculptures that ha- there's a lot there's a high concentration of them in southern France, and I went to photograph them and go into the places they were and just kind of figure you know find out a little bit more about them just by by looking at them. Well, and so obviously then there's that that component where you've got places that you're you know on your destination to go to and, and to go right. check out. So what what happens along that way? You know, I mean, did, were you over there for a couple of weeks and then we were we were there for three weeks. Yep, uh, my wife and I, my wife went along with me, and because she has this really strong interest in the uh, kind of the the religious component of these objects, and I'm probably more interested in them as a as a social statement. I mean, we can get into this in a little bit more why I want to paint these, but um, so we both had kind of a parallel interest, though not always intersecting interests in terms of these this particular subject. So, in the sense of a trip, it was more of a I, she likes to call it a pilgrimage. Um, 
pilgrimage is fine with me. I think it's interesting to to travel to a place for a specific goal and see what you kind of find along the way. So we didn't consider ourselves touring around. We, we didn't go to any museums really or anything like that that would be typical for an artist to go to. Um, we just went to the churches, the you know, cathedrals, to look for these these um, very important objects in terms of uh, Western Christianity. So, in that sense, it, I suppose it was for me it also was kind of a pilgrimage. So, yeah. right. Well, and it's interesting too because when I think about the the type of research that people normally think of, they're thinking maybe of just scanning through a book, you know, reading right. reading words, reading things that are going to help you rethink the way that you're thinking about your work and i think one of the things that i've always been invested in is how you know experiencing places and going places and kind of you know just mingling in that space kind of leads to to something that stirs you know something in the in the in the studio space exactly that's yeah that's exactly true and i think travel in itself is a constant one of the reasons well, i mean the root word for travel is to, is travail and you know to to struggle and I think a, a really good trip is one where there's a lot of struggle just to find places to, I mean, everything from uh, we rented this apartment in X and we got to the airport half dead because we were tired and, and I had to get the rental car and figure out how to drive to X and then figure out how to find the apartment, which was out in this back little country road. And we had very sketchy directions. And so there's this kind of... Um, Challenge, mental challenge. Uh, you you sort of chart a path when you go somewhere to find a place that that I think is very uh, is kind of the equivalent of making a painting. Um, you know, the, the the two are very similar sort of things. The way your brain functions, you go to different places. You have to sort of improvise and discover and adapt and be creative. And so so the the traveling really does rewire your brain in very fundamental ways. And then if you add to that travel, the idea of a specific journey, in our case, searching for these black Madonnas, I think that just sort of ups the, the transformative nature of the trip. Sure. And so um, could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the specific sites that you visited or maybe just sure. highlight some? To... Well, one, there are several. We didn't get to go to as many as we wanted to. I mean, I had a whole big list of them and just due to, uh, it was hard to find them and driving around and everything. So um, we went to, but we went to quite a few of them. And one of them that was really uh, interesting was down in a small town. And I, uh, oh, no, I can't remember the name of the town, but it was along the Mediterranean. It was a fishing village that um, uh, has this small kind of very, I was amazed at how primitive the cathedral was in the middle of the town, of course, and down in the basement or down underneath the altar in a crypt um, was a statue of a saint called St. Sarah. And St. Sarah, as legend has it, came over from uh, the North African coast in a boat, a rudderless boat, so she was adrift, along with Mary Magdalene and another Mary. I can't, not Mary the mother, but another Mary. So there was these three women that drifted across the Mediterranean and landed in this small fishing village. Well, it wasn't a village then. They just landed in this location. And St. Sarah stayed there. And legend has it she is also the child of Mary, Magdalene, and Jesus. She, some say she was the, So there's all these weird stories about who she was. And so anyway, she stayed in this village. Mary Magdalene uh, supposedly traveled north 
um, to live in a cave in the mountains in, in just north of this village. So anyway, in this church, in this cathedral, they have down in the crypt below, they have this incredible wooden statue of St. Sarah with all these, and she's pretty, she's about five feet tall, um, with all these, um, uh, like, thing, objects people bring in to, to uh, give to her and things. So she's surrounded by candles, and the crypt is really hot. Well, technically, I don't think it's a crypt because there was no, um, like, bones in there. It was just the statue with all these different objects people have brought. And then they dress the statue in different clothes depending on the season. So imagine this five-foot-tall wooden statue. Basically, you can just see her face with these really piercing, strange eyes. She's carved in a fairly primitive manner, um, shiny, dark wood uh, with this beautiful um, embroidered yellow robe on and then ribbons and this head, like, crown thing she was wearing. And so um, they take this statue once a year and bring it up into the main part of the church and then exit aside these huge side doors that face the Mediterranean and carry her on their shoulders around town and take her down to the ocean and stand in the ocean with her. They don't submerge her or anything. She's just there. And so, and then they take her back into her um, the place where she's displayed. So there's these really interesting rituals and sim- symbolisms behind these these objects that mean a lot to the people in these towns. The other interesting thing about this particular town was they have during this festival where they march her around town. It's also a, she's she's the patron saint of the gypsies. So gypsies come from all over Europe to this town during this particular weekend to sell, to take her down to the, to the Mediterranean and put her back in. So um, these objects mean a lot to the particular communities that they're part of. And, and do you think there's a, a, a relationship, too, with the way that you think about what kind of um, experience you want someone to have with the, the paintings or maybe just what experience you want to have with them? Because yeah. there's... There's a level, I don't know, there's something very interesting in the way that you're describing, you know, these kind of sacred objects and the way that, you know, they're um, paid homage to or, or given a level of importance. And I think that sometimes um, that's almost something that we want to evoke out of our work. You know, Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I think what I'm trying to, to so I'm trying to figure it all out, tell you the truth, because I had sort of sketchy notions about what I wanted to do. And I wrote about them in my research grant to get the money. But, you know, to be honest, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I know that these are ancient cultural symbols that actually predate, they all predate um, uh, Christianity. They're all rooted in prehistory. And and so they're they're really, really ancient, um, basic sort of things that people are are interacting with. And um, so I think that's, you know, maybe it's it's partially a longing for, for... that sort of deep meaning within my own work because it's kind of what modernism lacks, you know, the sort of, like we're all about superficiality and entertainment and, and, you know, and spectacle and things like that, which is all fine and dandy. But then there's a kind of a superficialness to that. I think that I've always had a problem with. And so perhaps I'm looking back to these um, ancient symbols to try to ponder that a little bit through my work. I don't know. Well, I, I, and again, I know that we'll come back to, you know, what we were just talking about, but right. I think it's an interesting tangent because, you know, when you look at some of the, the works, the, the cathedral works, which, again, are all kind of these um, watercolor paintings that are, you know, based on a repetitive shape right, or, the, right. or the fabric paintings, I notice one of the things is that there's a lot of light. Like, it seems mm-hmm. like the light is important. I start thinking about some of the landscape 
you know, paintings that you're also doing at this time. Mm-hmm. And I think also about how you notice that light is so different in a new place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, especially in the fabric paintings, there's such a, a level of like a, a resilience or like a light that almost kind of seems to be emitted from it. Or you think about that veiled kind of mm-hmm. quality. And so I guess that's where I was coming from in terms of thinking about <laughs> the way that that relates to these Black Madonna sculptures. No, I think that's totally true, and that's very, very. Uh, that's a really good thing that you're saying because I think one of the things that happened to me when I was over there as we were looking for these sculptures, um, you know, we would enter these incredible cathedrals. You know, we went to Chartres, and I'd been to Chartres a couple times before, um, but for some reason, this particular time it just really struck me. You know, the power of that of that space, and all the cathedrals have cr- crypts in them. They have altars, and then they have the heights of the of the of the building itself and so they have the crypts tend to be they will have like in this one crypt we saw they supposedly had mary magdalene's skull and this this is in a small town called maxima and then the altar is where people engage in their religious you know the living are and so the crypt is like a cave the altar is like um in a sense the present moment or life and then the heights of the cathedral i think represents sky and, and air and, and of course heaven and so it's interesting when you're what, what I really discovered standing in those spaces um, you just go you almost like you reenact the the life cycle or I don't know if well, that sounds cheesy but you reenact this you enter this cave you you become part of the altar and then you you sort of experience the the space of the cathedral so there's in each one of them they this sort of thing plays out over and over and over um, and then he, the cathedrals are were what fascinated me that I didn't observe the first. I mean, I've been to them before, but for some reason this time I spent a lot more time in them. I guess, but when clouds would pass by, um, the light would shift so dramatically in, inside the space. The, I was really so I was really struck with that too. So, what started out as a trip about these particular sculptures turned into uh, some my kind of an interest in in the architecture of the space, the way the architecture. Um, impacts the kind of personal journey we all make whether it's a you know just through life um and whether you believe in that western christianity stuff or not i personally don't but i mean i do i was raised that way so it's part of my thinking you can't it's my framework um Mm -hmm. so but it's still there's this sort of weird reenactment of everybody's path in these buildings which i'm really kind of fascinated by well and it's interesting you know and i think one of the things that talking to you about this in this in this fashion kind of bring up for me is just um trying to get back to those places in my head right you know those right. those moments where you're kind of feeling the way that you're describing right now right um, right and i think one of those things and again this is just how how my mind works today but um it almost <laughs> makes me it almost makes me think about the idea of you know working inside the studio versus working outside you know and certainly through landscape painting and and the right. you know ability to like put paints in a tube all these all these landscape painters are able to go outside and work from outside but a lot of times they're informed by that and brought it back to the studio to work on another painting mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. strikes me too that you know you can you can think about something as a theoretical you know like for example the water paintings that you might have been making um before you know um before leaving, um, but I, I don't know what those are necessarily based off of. But I mean, like, just to go and immerse yourself in this ex- this experience and right. to see the way that you can kind of bring that into the the practice. It, it's it's interesting because it does all the things that we're talking about in terms of shaking things up, making yourself kind of be challenged or reassert some aspect of your work or 
kind of see it in a new way. So it's it's very interesting to to listen to you talk about it. No, I think that's a great way to put it, David. And I think it's um, I mean, it's all about kind of welcoming change or transformation, and that's the hardest thing for any person to do. Um, that's what that's why I think like if you think of the idea of traveling, a lot of um, a lot of people like, especially Americans, like say cruises, or they like these really super contained experiences where they just sort of bring what they're familiar with over to another place and they observe everything through that frame and i again think the best kind of travel is where you just sort of get rid of that frame and you just try to figure out where you are and what you're doing on a daily basis and so again it's a very healthy thing to do my, my first painting teacher tony wong um i don't know if you probably does that name ring a bell probably not tony mm-hmm. wong was uh, he was at illinois state for a little while and he, he said that i asked him what to do um you know how to, what should i do you know i'm going to be an artist what should i do and he just said travel and i think that's really that really is true as much as you can you know it's not always possible but but well, go ahead i'm sorry oh sure i mean it's it's something that i think you know especially as someone that's 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 always trying to maintain work and i think you know um people people assume or something that like professors maybe they graduate and then everything everything's figured out but you're always reassessing you're always trying to figure out how to change your studio um how to how to change your thinking and i think one of the things that become apparent is there's a difference between kind of making work that is you know like about something i think um versus something experienced you know and i think i think that's kind of what we're, we're talking about or hitting at a little bit because you can easily forget that you know you can almost become too smart for your own good sometimes because that 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 um i don't know what it is and maybe it's just the the part of me that likes modernist abstract painting um but you know like you look for that moment in something where it feels very genuine right and i think that because that is because it's something that was hopefully based off of something that feels more like a genuine experience or, or something that seems more like an investigation rather than just like um a very interesting idea if that makes sense yeah totally totally i mean i think you're sort of just talking about like um i think formalism got kind of got to a point where it had it lost that kind of uh meaningful edge or something i don't know how to put it but and it just i know there's a lot of art that's made especially painting that i think is just nice arrangement of things and and it's all very competently done and that's always just kind of dangerous i think you know, so one of the things that you know having this conversation has kind of brought up for me, um, you know, a number of times is just the way that um, you know being in these new places. I, th- I think especially you've hit on this idea of almost kind of feeling lost, you right. know, where you're kind of having to figure out your way. And I think the biggest thing, and it's something that I've noticed in my work, because um, I, I take pictures of the most banal, boring kind of landscapes with mm-hmm. you know structures in them and things like that. But it's it's because when I'm in a new place, I'm kind of forced to see it as new for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of thing really, really lends itself to making new works, even if they're just failures. You know, I, right. I, um, you know, I think I might have explained. Um, I because like I went to New York in April, and one of the things that I sort of got really silly about was taking blurry photographs from trains and and from walking around Times Square and that. But I'm, you know, it's like it's trying to figure out a way to kind of have this fit in there. Mm-hmm. And I think that again, when you're kind of doing all these things right. It's something where you can walk into a cathedral, even you know what I mean, and not know what to expect, but you see it and you respond to it. But I think right. you know you were talking a little bit about how you know you t- you take some of these decisions, how you kind of rearrange things. But could could you kind of elaborate a little bit? 
Yeah, I think you. Um, I think that idea of the bodily experience about moving into a new, unusual place. I mean, if you go to a place where we make a lot of assumptions about our world, and you know, when you go to a place where the language is different, the money is different, and the the roads are different, everything, you suddenly even you're, you're, even your your you start tasting different to yourself inside your mouth. You know, it's the weirdest thing. You start smelling different, and so I think. There's a real bodily uh, sort of kind of transformation that occurs with travel, with the idea of being in a new place that 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 obviously expect, uh, affects the way that you think about things, and obviously affects your artwork. And so, um, the first big trip I ever took like this was when I, in '95 when I went to Europe for two and a half months, and it was utter, it utterly changed. I'm still kind of feeling the vibes of that trip uh you know th- these many years later so so um i think but that's a really hard thing to do that a lot of people don't now of course it costs money and it's it's you know for a lot of people it's really difficult to to do this sort of thing um but i just think it's something to endeavor you know to try to do to to to, to get get and you know and, and i'm going to places it's not like i'd love to go to like india or uh, third world countries um, so I'm not going to that difficult of places. I mean, southern France is <laughs> pretty right, well-trod right. territory. But uh, so it's not like it's, you know, I could always call. If I get into trouble, I could get a hold of somebody. But um, but still, it's, it, it's, it's a rewiring of everything, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, too, you know, something that we've talked about, I think maybe in, in the podcast that we did, you know, earlier in the year, um, is just the way that, you know, we're influenced by technology and especially mm-hmm. social media and that. And I think being in, in a type of environment like that, you really have to kind of appreciate things that you maybe missed before. Yeah. And especially in a place where there's a lot of history. You know, one of the, one of my favorite things to hear um, someone talk about is, again, you know, sometime I think last year we had Don Kimes on and he always talks about going um, going to Rome and um, um Kind of look like 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 exploring the walls, the walls of the right. city that are, that are so old that right. have you know all these wear from like hand you know just moving your hands across them. They have all this history built into it, and I think especially it's really interesting being taken from you know an experience that most of us have, which is to kind of be I don't know on feeder roads and maybe seeing strip malls and you right. know everything's very you know what to expect. You know, right. there's right. not like a stray. Except maybe if a road's out or there's an accident, you got to merge. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, yeah, no, I think and the cathedrals are exactly that for me. And I was thinking about that a lot on the trip. It's just how many, I don't know, probably millions of people. You know, one of the things to remember about uh, th- again to mention the uh, the Black Madonnas, but also um, the the um, skull, the skull of Mary Magdalene that we saw at this cathedral near where we were staying. And we went there four or five, six times, I think, to check it out and be in the space. But these places were, uh, were usually built on ancient prehistory, pre-Christian sites. Then they would have these bones in them from like Mary Magdalene's skull. And so they became uh, you know, the only kind of tourism that existed for centuries was religious pilgrimages. So these places, like this cathedral, would get these objects that would then be draw people. So there was this economic interest, you know, getting pilgrims to come because pilgrims bought food, just like my wife and I were there buying, hanging out and having a pizza and a beer or wine or whatever, uh, coming to these places. So they're still functioning in the same manner that they functioned for centuries, bringing people to this site. What's interesting is just so so there's all these millions of people over centuries that have been to these places. So there's a kind of a 
weird vibe about him, if you think about it, that's very different than, um, again, like you said, the strip mall in town or any church here, really, or any kind of similar site here. Um, uh, there's just a different vibe there that you can't help but sense. And uh, I think that in itself is quite fascinating and very powerful. And again, it, it gets down to the sort of notion of trying to sort of make work that has a, a kind of a resonating meaning that's really, I think, difficult for us American artists to do. Um, well, I, would say, I, I would say for I, any artist, really. Well, I don't know. You know if you think know. about European artists, they have this other kind of history that's ba- that's just, you know, they're, you know, French artists hanging out doing, you know, I mean, part of our conceptual, the conceptual side of what we do is predicated on the idea of throwing out the old, you know, the whole avant-garde thing. I mean, that's a, that's kind of a, a hardwired into us as painters or as any kind of artist. Throw out the old stuff. Here's the new stuff. Well, that idea... I think is kind of corrupt now. We talked about that, in, I think, in a previous podcast, just that, that, that model of throwing out the old to bring in the new or, or uh, in, in not even building on the old is, is something that I think has, is, is really questioned nowadays. For, for At least I question it. So that, that might be part of my reason for wanting to go to these places as well. You know, I'll tell you a quick story. My first trip, if I may, just mm-hmm. uh, about this was my first trip in 95, um, I'd been um, over to Europe, and I'd been I backpacked the whole time, so I was roaming around on trains and going to. Basically, I just went to all the museums and all the cities I could go to, so all the major museums. And I spent about probably about two months until this point, just going to the main museum, seeing the Rembrandt, seeing the Rubens, seeing the Titian, seeing the all the different. Kind of, it was kind of repetitive over and over. All these great, and they're all great. They're fantastic. But then I went to Berlin. I was in Berlin for about a week, and I went to this museum complex there. And I think it's called the Dahlem, D-A-H-L-E-M. I'm probably getting that wrong, but um, some scholar will catch me on this. But it's called the Dahlem complex. And what it was was a series of buildings, museums, basically that had different sort of that addressed different eras, different time periods, and things. And I went into one that had to do with Africa. And um, they had a show of ancient African, um, uh, like, drums and different objects that were uh, sacred. And what struck me as I walked in there was that after spending all these months, two months, looking at Western European art, which is kind of part of my tradition as a painter, as an American painter, what struck me when I walked into this this uh, sacred African sculpture show was how much that had to do with me as an American artist as well. I mean, I think those kind of ancient histories are as much part of my DNA as, say, European art, because I'm an American, because American art is, you know, is this sort of strange Frankenstein monster of different influences and different people, just like we are as a people. Mm-hmm. And so both ancient and contemporary and, and uh, even, you know, modernist. And so I think that puts us in a very unique and special position. I'm not arguing for American exceptionalism here, exceptionalism, <laughs> but it does put us in a particular unique position to, to examine culture and examine our relationship and these different type of, types of influences. But I think a lot of people aren't thinking of it that way. Well, so. I, th- I think it's something where it's very. I, I think it's very hard because it's um, just the idea of being an artist is. It's all. It always seems like really a lofty idea in some ways. You know, it's right, something. Right. Something to be able to have the time to be able to do it and, and to be able to kind of explore it in that way. But I, I definitely agree with what you're saying um, to extent because I I think that in order to make your best work, that you you have to find ways of reassessing. And I I think I've talked about this a number of times. It doesn't have to be. 
something that's necessarily apparent to everyone else even right. all the times. Right. I mean, sometimes right. maybe a big change for you in your work isn't going to look gigantic to someone else, right. but it's, right. it's still important to see that, that little, that little shift, you know, and anytime right. that you can kind of have a little shift in your thinking that kind of gets you, I don't know, putting another rubber band around the ball of rubber bands to kind of keep it going, you know, and expanding, you know? Right, 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 right. No, you're right about that. I think, and everybody, I think everybody has both dramatic and subtle shifts, just depending on what their circumstances are and, and, and who they are too. And I also think the, the market impacts this. I mean, you know, if you're, it depends on how connected you are to the market. I think it's really tough for an artist that, that has a strong market for their work to change. I mean, that's always been the case. You know, they, the change has to come slow. Where somebody like myself, who's got, has the, just the great privilege of having a, a good job that supports my work, um, and I never have um, once, um, what's the word, not appreciated that fact, believe right. me. Um, I, uh, um, you know, I can take chances. I'm more encouraged to stretch myself and change dramatically, I think, because of the circumstances. Unfortunately, I think a lot of professors who have these types of jobs don't do that. They don't take advantage of that. They still kind of function under the, a market model for their work where they, you know, are trying to cultivate a market through consistency and things like that. So um, that's kind of unfortunate. Well, and I guess that's the, the one thing, uh, the one big reason that tenure has to be kind of kept, you know, is that then they can just feel free to just start doing something entirely different afterwards. I don't know yeah, if that's I, necessarily the case, but I think that that would be something that would be interesting. Well, in my own situation here at MSU, I mean, uh, I think some people, nobody told me it to my face, I don't think, I can't recall, but when I started doing those pet paintings, I think they thought I was absolutely bonkers. You know? Right, and, right. And now I'm starting out, I'm basically what I'm doing is a series of religious paintings. You know, I'm dealing with that as a subject. Well, that's that's the thing that's so interesting about it too, because you know, again, if anybody wants to go back to, I encourage them to, you know, listen to our first interview, which was maybe like six months ago. But yes. you know, you you had just talked to me about how you've been making a, a very successful body of work for you know a long amount of time, and then there was this departure from it and this shift to explore these different bodies. And I think it's really interesting because when I hear you say that, I can track that to these new paintings, right, and right. it's it's. It's imbued with this context that maybe wasn't the same, or it's refreshed, or it's informed in a different way, like we've been talking about. And that's mm-hmm. that's what makes it exciting. Because even in the end, I mean, you might make work that you know you go, oh, that did, just didn't work. But then it forces right. you to have to figure out a new way, a new way to think about it. Maybe okay, it's not like the way that I perceived it to be, but it's through a different door that it's gonna it's gonna impact what I do. Yeah, that's an eloquent way to put it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, where does that leave you in terms of uh, your studio practice now? What are you are you going to be just working the rest of the summer, uh, getting ready for the fall, or? Well, uh, I have to start back to work in two. Well, let's see, about two weeks uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. So I have a class I'm teaching. Then I also I'm going to be chair of our department, so I have to start doing that as well. So that'll impact my time, but um, but my plans in the studio are just to start, yeah, to start doing these. Uh, you know, I have, I'm real excited about these different. I'm still doing my pet portraits. In fact, I have a show coming up with those up at the Plains Art Museum in Fargo. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I think it opens like in a month or so. Um, so I'm going to keep doing those and just start these. You know, just kind of cultivate all these different facets um, as as uh, I have time to. I guess I don't know. So. I'm I'm looking at the long picture on it all. 
Well, hopefully you'll have uh, time to, to come back and uh, to give us another update. Because, again, I mean, oh, I would love to. that's the fun thing. You know, six months, it seems like there's going to, there's always something coming out of uh, your studio. So, Well, that's really kind of you, David. So, and, and, again, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Uh, this, your podcast is always wonderful. And thank you. Yeah, you're quite welcome. Thanks again to Brian, and there is a number of ways that you can follow him and his projects. First, please go to poorfarmart.com and see some of his works there. You can also like Poor Farm Studios on Facebook. The other big project that he's a part of is RACA, or Rural America Contemporary Art. He writes a weekly feature blog that you can check out and read, so please go ahead and do that. There's a Facebook page, and so like it. And again, all of those are also on Twitter, so please follow him at Poor Farm Studios, and please follow Raka as well. In addition to that, since you're checking out all sorts of stuff, you might as well check out my website, davidlinaway.com. I have a variety of paintings, although I have to say, lately with the weather, I've been going outside and painting plein air style. It's a lot of fun, but there's plenty of them up at davidlinaway.com. Of course, if you're lazy and you don't want to actually type it in, you can go look on the left sidebar, David Linaway, just use the hyperlink and go check out my work. Please be sure to check out all of the archives that we have. Again, over 70 or 80 podcasts, each with slideshows, links to the artist's websites, as well as links to the iTunes store where you can subscribe to Studio Break under podcasts. So please go ahead and do that. You can easily get something to listen to on your commutes or in the studio. You can also like our Facebook page, Studio Break, or you can follow us on Twitter. Again, please reach out. It's a lot more fun when people tweet or say hello or suggest an artist or anything like that. Share an article so please go ahead and do that it makes it a lot more fun as far as exhibitions you can check out Define Drawing at the McLean County Art Center Friday June 21st from 5 to 7 p.m. they've got close to 100 different artists in the show and it's usually pretty great when they have these big invitationals Emerging Illinois Artists runs through mid-July so if you want to see some of the work coming out of Illinois it's a great place to do it Lastly, I just want to remind you and share some great news. Second Nature is an exhibition that I put together and is going to be opening at Boward College September 5th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The group of artists that I managed to get together for this is really incredible. I'm excited to have Gregory Euclid, Amzie Emmons, Charlie Kenwisher, Amanda Smith, and Shona McDonald and myself. Again, really excited to learn that Shona and I will be making the exhibition and also giving an artist talk. All the artists are exploring nature and landscape in a variety of different ways in their work and it's going to be a great exhibition so you'll certainly hear more about it as we approach it. we're going to do a special episode for it so i can't wait to share that with all of you once again hope everyone's doing well enjoying their summer being productive and we'll talk to you real soon everyone